Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Hunt the Wild podcast. I'm your host, Adam Bolds, and this is episode nine. Uh, today, I'm joined with uh, actually a fun guest, a co-host from the first podcast, Brett Morris from Blue River Bow Hunting, and uh, Hunter, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Perrette. That's right. And uh, he's a Mississippi boy, and uh, we're going to talk some gator hunting and some deer hunting. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. Doing Brett? good. I'm, I'm interested in uh, talking about these gators. I don't really... I'm from a cornfield in the middle of nowhere. We ain't got gators where I'm from, so it's definitely be a cool conversation to have. Oh man, it's it's fun. I mean, you get a you know gator on the end of the rod and reel. So you got a dinosaur, you know, you got to fight. It's it's unreal. Oh, I bet it's definitely exhilarating, probably more than you can even explain. Oh yeah, for sure. Hunter, can you tell us a little bit um, about yourself? Maybe where you're from, what you kind of do um, for a living, or about your uh, business and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, my course, my name's Hunter Perrette. Uh, I'm from Yazoo City, Mississippi, uh, around the edge of the Delta. And I uh, grew up in Mississippi, kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, grew up hunting mostly public land with my dad and stuff. Um, and then it kind of, you know, we kind of moved around the state and ended up uh, here where I'm at, Nackerman. And luckily, I had a big shop and started started with a business um, with Gator Taker Hooks. It was actually just for me and my buddies. And then it rolled into something a lot more, which is kind of cool. But it's, it's still a midnight gig. Uh, my day job is I'm an instrumentation control technician for Southern Company uh, here in Choctaw County, where I'm living now. Um, and it's, it's a great job. I enjoy it. Uh, great company to work for. Um, but then, of course, you know, I, I live to, to hunt, not to work. So it's, you know, it's it's a it's fun. It's a fun gig, you know, being able to go do the the day job during the day and then come home in the evening time and then kind of switch over to, you know, a hunting industry type job where I can connect with other hunters and uh, have opportunities like this. How do you uh, first get involved in hunting? Like when you were a kid, did you uh, grow up like shooting small game or? oh yeah attacking alligators at a young age no i didn't start doing that until a couple years ago uh actually but no i grew up hunting you know anytime uh my dad was going out i'd try to go with him tag along and then we started into the small game hunting um actually my first small game was a black squirrel in the mississippi delta which was pretty neat um we've done that for a couple years and of course just kind of he kept adding on to it my dad's a huge outdoorsman huge hunter uh good good woodsman uh, so he kind of he brought me into it at early age and they were they were so advanced hunting public land that it's crazy um i mean there's they could have invented so many things that they were trying to keep secret for themselves that ended up seeing a walmart five years later <laughs> um it's unreal the number of, of of ideas they had i mean they, they were you know they were going to the courthouse getting topo maps and like scouting out public land and, and finding little you know, nicks and you know funnels and I was sitting there as a kid, you know, watching them find these funnels and find these, you know, little spots to hunt. And, um, of course, the little tax that you see all over the woods now on public land, little reflective tax, they started that. You didn't see a one in the woods. Um, and then next thing you know, like three years later, you walk in the woods and they're everywhere. And so my dad had me, like, making uh, the clothesline, the clothespins, sticking oh. the red reflective tape on those. Uh, and then a couple of years, of course, they're out there now. So, uh and the carts, you know, like where you, you haul your deer out, they they started making those out of lawn chair and wheelbarrow tires to begin with, <laughs> and then developed it into something, you know, over the years. And then next thing you know, a couple years later, it's on Walmart. I, I always pick it. I was like, man, you could have you could have done so many things. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, but it's fun. I grew up. And that's all. I mean, my dad's a huge hunter. So I mean, I was 
heavily influenced by him. Did uh did they hunt gators when you were a kid? I guess not. No, Mississippi season. Um, I think it started in two thousand five. Was the first season. Um, oh, okay. And it was very very limited at that time. It was only for the uh, Theodore. Oh, not Theodore. Um, the reservoir down in in the Jackson area. And that was the only place you could gator hunt at first, and they kept expanding. And now we have like seven different zones you can hunt, like 164 tags are put out through the state now. So it's it's really grown. Uh, the sport's grown a lot. So, how did you uh, did you have a buddy or something that got you introduced in it, or did you just like wake up one day and you're like, I'm gonna slay some gators? No, actually, my dad got into going with some of his buddies, um, and then I got the opportunity one weekend to go with them. Um, and do some gator hunting and fell in love with it, man. Uh, like I said, once you, once you put one uh, rod and reel on a gator and get that fight, it's, uh, it's pretty addictive. So, uh, like I said, it took one season, uh, with him and his buddy. And, um, after that, my buddy got tags and me and him went and hunted. And then the next year I had tags and it just kind of kept steamrolling and building, learned a lot of hard lessons through the years. <laughs> so are you, uh, I don't know anything about gator hunting. I'm, Brett, do you you don't really either, do you? No, they don't have that sort of thing where I'm from. <laughs> I mean, I know this is probably would almost probably not not offend you, but like the only thing I've ever seen when it has to do with anything that is just like what's been on TV, like the swamp people or whatever, you know. Yeah. Which I I know how it is because uh, I was into duck hunting for a long time, still am. You know, and, and people would associate that with, you know, like Duck Dynasty and stuff. And they're like, oh, you make your own duck calls and you try to grow a beard. I'm like, I grow a beard because I'm a man, for one. <laughs> <laughs> and I duck hunt because it's something I'm into. It's not because I've seen it on a TV show. You know what I mean? Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you know, I mean, of course, Swamp People, they're some of my customers. Uh, not all of them, of course, but some of them do run my hooks, which is really cool. You know, watching the TV show, um, but we do it. You know, of course, every state has different rules and different methods that you can use. Um, Florida's, I mean, not Florida, Louisiana or Swamp Eagles Fan, of course, is like different than everything else. Um, I mean, of course, you can use a rod and reel there, just like we do, uh, but they can hang bait with the hook. They're the only state that you can do that, as far as just regular hunting. Like nuisance trappers in all the states can do that, um, but they're the only ones that can do that, and they can't hunt at night. The rest of the states you can hunt at night. Um, and so for using the method that we use in Mississippi, you really, we do it at night. You know, we go out and scout them um, all season, you know, preseason scouting like a deer. And um, we go in and we basically spot stalk the gator and get close enough to him, you know, within really like to be in 30 yards. You know, you can stretch it out sometimes a little further. And then you, you cast over his back and then start reeling and foul hook the gator. And then, and then the fight's on. That sounds awesome, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would love to try something like that. Yeah, I'm about to get you down here. I'm, I'm ready. Why Why do you guys, why do most guys hunt those? They hunt them for meat? Or are they just for the thrill of it? A little bit of both. I mean, the, the meat's really good. Um, but it's also just an absolute adrenaline rush. Uh, it's, it's And, you know, of course, population and conservation, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you have to be uh, conservatives of the land because, I mean, they go unchecked. It gets, I mean, people's dogs come up missing. You know, you start having problems uh, when they get overpopulated. So that's a lot of it's population control, too. But it's, it's just absolute fun. And you can 
you can get your hides turned into wallets or whatever you want. Um, I know a lot of people, some people's got boots made and stuff. So it's cool to have something that you can wear out in public that you hunt and kill. I mean, <laughs> you're not going to see somebody walking around with like a deer skin you know, <laughs> hat or something, you know, but you can't have a, you know, gator, gator made uh, into a hat. So it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with your animal and you can use the hide and, you know, meat. And then you, of course, can skull them out or whatever. So do you guys, uh, would you skin that out yourself or would you and take the, like the hide somewhere or does like the taxidermist do all that for you? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, it just depends on how tired we are when we get off the water. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of night we just had. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a runt gator, of course, in Mississippi, you get a you get a two gator tags, and one of them can be over seven foot. And so basically, what we say is we have a big gator and we have a runt gator. Uh, you know, if we have some runt gators, we may just skin those out ourselves. Uh, it's not not that big of a process. Um, but if it's a big gator and it's a, it's a long night, I've got a buddy that's right there off the boat ramp from where I hunt. It's a processor. And I just swing it in there and drop it off with him, and he takes care of it. I know so. a lot of, like, deer hides around, you know, Indiana and stuff get scrapped and thrown in dumpsters and everything else. Do you guys save every hide? No, I mean, not not necessarily. just depends. Like, so, especially at the processor, I mean, you get options when you, when you show up. I mean, you can, like, this year you have the option of selling the meat and then keeping your hide in your skull. And a lot yeah. of people have done that. Uh, a lot of people, and most people, especially when you get something made, you want the belly. And so you don't get the horn back across the back end of the big ridges of scoots. And I actually got the guy to send me like six gators this year. And I, I put them in a bucket of water and just, just check them. They're, they're about done. But getting the scoots, the bones off the back, and people do all kind of different, you know, decor stuff with them or, or whatever. I'm probably going to try to make a table and epoxy oh. you know, resin pour over the top of it. I'd be, I'd be, I'm curious to know what one of those costs to have like tanned. Do you have any idea? I want to say it's like $20 a foot. $20 a foot. No, it's not terrible. I mean, like I said, and then really with, with his setup, I mean, you just go up there and drop the gator off and then he sends it out to the tannery and then he gets it back. So, but you can send it to different tanneries. I mean, I think there's one over in Florida and there's one in Texas you can send it to if you want to do it yourself. What's a what's a mount cost around Indiana, Brett, for a deer? You know, uh, I pay five fifty a piece for mine. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to put that in perspective. That is pretty cheap. Twenty dollars, you know, a foot doesn't sound too bad. No, it's not too bad. And like you know, I mean, of course, I think it's around you're gonna pay ten to fifteen dollars depending on the gator and the taxidermist to get to get a skull mount done. Um, that's what about what it's gonna cost you to get one. That's per inch. So they'll measure the skull from the tip of the nose to the back of the head, the head plate, and whatever that measures out, you know, multiply it by ten to fifteen dollars, and that's what you'll pay. And it's worth it, I promise you. I've done a couple of skull mounts, <laughs> and it's not like a deer. They, they fall into about forty different pieces. What oh, are, really? What kind yeah, of money? You get, what kind of money are you looking at as far as your tags go? Uh, so for resident tags, which is only tags you give out in Mississippi, it's like two hundred bucks. Plus your tags, plus your hunting license. So it's like two fifty total is what you get charged, and you get the two tags um, with that. So it's not too bad. I know Florida, it's about the same. It may be a little cheaper for a resident, but non-residents can put in for Florida tags, and then you're, it's a thousand dollars. But you get two tags with that, and you can kill whatever size gators you want to kill. It's not limited to one big and one small like it is in Mississippi. That seems like a, a, a high dollar amount for a resident, even. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it is. I mean, 
But I mean, it's it's not too high. We all oh yeah, I, I, I pay I pay more than that just to go other places. So I That's understand right. that pay to play. Absolutely. So I have to ask do you guys. Uh, you guys keep track of these gators. Are you on public or private land? Probably public, right? Yeah, I mean, we do have private land tags uh, available for you know, but it's it's pretty pretty strict rules on getting those. Uh, I've tried a couple of different farmers to get them like leases, you know, but have been unsuccessful. But yeah, we have public land tags. That's what we're hunting. We're all hunting, you know, and they have, it's all rivers, you know, that you can hunt. And then they designate certain lakes that you can hunt as well. You guys ever keep track of those gators? Is that like a thing? Like you inventory deer? Do you inventory alligators? Absolutely. Really? We scout, you know, we'll start scouting right after mating season, like late spring. And start scouting. So basically, all summer we're scouting uh, gators at night, going by and looking at them and, and taking an inventory. And of course, we drop pins on them. We name them whatever. You know, there's no telling what the name may be. I mean, we've got gators named. We killed one two years ago. It's called Longhead. We've got a gator called Sunshine. Uh, we've got Big Papa, Pooh Bear, Wide Eyes. Um, you know, all kind of whatever happened. You know, whatever it is at the time that we see the gator, we just name them and then and then keep rolling. What's a, what's a big characteristic that goes into like naming them? Is it like their heads are all like, you know, like antlers are what we go off of for deer, right. but do some of them have wacky tails or is it mostly like head features? Head feature. I mean, that's really all you, most of the time it's all you're going to see when you're scouting there in the water swimming. Yeah. Um, but you get a, you get an idea of how much of neck that's out of the water with their head. And then, you know, if you can see how, how long their head is, you can get a good idea there. Uh, and then it's, it's sometimes it's location. Um, like we, like we have one called Pooh Bear and it's because we saw him in the river and he swam over to a bank and went down. We got next to that bank. We could see slides and see tracks. And so naturally I go over there and I get out of the boat and look at the tracks and just right over the edge of the river, there's this big lake right there. I was like, oh, I got him a little honey hole right there. That's what he's doing. <laughs> we, and we've never seen this guy. We've been through that area a bunch, you know? And so it was like, that's old Pooh Bear, you know, a honey pot. You know, I mean, that's it's just you know sometimes it's silly stuff like that. Like we had one named uh, my buddy actually killed him this year. He was twelve eight. We named him Ezekiel because we were sitting there like, what's going to be this gator's name? What's going to be this gator's name? My girlfriend goes, what's your name? <laughs> yeah, and it's like Ezekiel. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. That's pretty funny. So, and you know, of course, if he pops up right next to the bug, we had the long head. He popped up right next to the boat. We're like. Did you see how long his head was? Yeah. I mean, he went straight down as soon as he come up. You know, it was like, that's long head, you know, dropping a pin on him. So, I mean, just whatever happens at the time, you know, whatever stories behind the gator. That's how he gets his name. Right. Do those uh, those gators stay in, like, the same area for the most part? Do they ever, like, really migrate? Uh, during mating season, they will. You know, they'll move around a lot looking for females. Um but typically, no, they're going to be within, you know, there's some gators that have a bigger range, just like deer do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, you know, they'll be, you drop a pin right there, you'll see, you go back and he'll be within 50 to 100 yards of that pin. Wow. Huh. That's it. I mean, they're so territorial, you know. Yeah. When so, is the mating season? The mating, what's that? When is the mating season? Uh, it's, it's late, early. I mean, it's kind of mid-spring to late the May kind of ends. Uh, from Mississippi, so um, somewhere right around like late April, early May, that's when they're they're mating in Mississippi. That's cool. Um, 
how do you guys kill them once you get them hooked? I mean, you're dragging them up to the boat. You, you grab them with your hands and wrestle them or you shoot them or what? You would get down the water and just get after it with a pocket knife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, strokes you, yeah, for different folks. Uh, we, we do kill some of them with a, with a knife, but it's very controlled, very um, you know precise how we do that. But no, typically we shoot. So in Mississippi, it's Mississippi laws. Uh, you can kill them with a shotgun. Uh, under you know six shots your biggest so we shoot like a, i shoot a 410 high brass six that's the my what i use uh some people use you know 12 gauge or 20 gauges uh but typically everybody's gonna shoot a six shot because that's just the biggest you can you can hunt with and then uh of course you can knife them uh and that's just when how we do that that's how we do it uh we bring them in the boat and stick their head over the edge of the boat and then just, just slide the knife in right there at the base of the skull hmm. so is there a reason you would choose that over shooting them? Just preference. Sometimes, you know, the hunter wants to. Uh, and typically we do it with a smaller gator, you know, and if we're, especially if we're not in a hurry. It's just kind of whatever hanging out because because of the rule of it has to be under seven foot. We bring our gators in the boat and stretch them out and then put a string across them and then measure the string to make sure we're good. Um, and we've killed some that was very close, like a 16th inch off. We measured him like five times just to make sure. <laughs> and then he's already in the boat. You know, it's, it's just not that hard to just, you know, slip, slip the knife out and just give him a boat versus putting him back in the water and, and getting the gun out and shooting him and all that. It's just, sometimes it's just convenience. I was going to ask you if you ever, do you ever catch him and let him go? Is oh, yeah. We, at that point. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, we, we let a lot go. I mean, now we don't as much, but when we first kind of really got into it and really learning and and just kind of younger in the sport, uh, we would catch a lot of gators and release them. I think one year I had two guys that had never been before. It was my fourth year of hunting. I just really started figuring it out, you know. And so we went around for two nights and put 20 gators in the boat and killed three of them. So it was a lot of work, <laughs> but it was fun. You know, and I got to learn a lot. Um, I got to, you know, especially learn how to handle the gator when you get him up to the boat. Like that's a big thing uh, that, that in the gator hunting world, a lot of people have kind of different opinions about. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you or anybody that your method is better than mine or, or whatever. I, I know it works for me and I share that information and I expect people to take that information and apply it to their situation. Um and so, but, you know, of course you hook the gator and, and typically we try to get two rod and reels in the gator. That's, you know, preference because, you know, sometimes lines break or whatever. He goes under a log, stuff happens, gator hunting. Uh, and we have what we call our hand line hook that if it's, especially if it's a big gator, it's, it's just a, a bigger, heavier hook that's, that's attached to some mule tape, a little flat rope. And we'll throw it out there and drag bottom with it and hook them. And that way we can kind of man them on up to the boat. And of course we have our snare pole. We hook them hook them around the neck with a snare pole or just a regular top beaver snare, you know, with a buoy attached to it. And then, so once we've got the gator under control, then we can kind of start taking our time with him. And we have a boat, a boat pole that will hook up underneath his jaw and pull it to us. And that'll keep his mouth from opening. Mm. And then way somebody can, can grab on to the, like the snout. You don't want to get your hands down too low because if he does roll and get off, now your hand is like in the middle of his mouth range. But we grab him on top of the mouth. So if he rolls off, you know, you're, you're away from him. You're not on the side of him, I guess. So that's something that, that we, uh, we picked up at the class. That you, you Sometimes you, you, you have an option to go to a class in Mississippi every year put on by Ricky Flint, who's over the alligator hunting program. 
and they and that's one thing we picked up from his class that, that helped us because we, we were kind of grabbing them you know down just a little bit and now we always grab them at the top and then of course let's take their mouth up real good and then you can bring them in the boat and typically say 9.9 times like once you get them in the boat they are calm like they are like what's going on this isn't right and they just kind of soul up a little bit uh sometimes we have had them taped and kind of like walking over them back and forth you know and and they get a little little antsy when you're doing that but for the most part you get them in the boat they're pretty calm and you take everybody gets a chance to take a picture with them and you know let them back go does uh does it hurt them when you snag them? Like if you snag one and bring it in and then you let it go, I mean, I guess they heal up from that pretty easy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, they heal up pretty quick. I mean, typically, you know, of course, a hook's not very big. I mean, it's you know, small hook, and I, I like to use a six all hook. That's my favorite hook. And so you're you're not talking about a very big hole in the gator. Um, and we really don't like using the the big willy hook unless we're going to kill it anyways because that's a and I learned this from uh, one of my outfitters down in Florida. You know, that's a big hook, and their their lungs aren't, aren't very deep inside of their chest cavity. They're kind of a long, skinny animal. And he said, you know, when they're trying to catch them in the wild as a nuisance gator and then bring them somewhere like a gator farm or something, he said they've had, had them die from puncturing them inside one of those big hooks. Hmm. So we really don't use them. And those, they do bury in pretty far. I mean, that's, you know, we try not to use that for now we're going to release it. Could you, uh, like, maybe tell us how big – like the hook is like you know, compare it to something like an object like is it as long as a toothpick or is it shorter than that i want to say will you run go grab me a 16 out hook <laughs> yeah grab me a 16 and a six i don't have any 20s poured up so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll just show you how about that okay <laughs> i'm kind of interested because i mean is it like a regular like like a catfish hook we'd use around here, or is it a lot bigger than that? Uh, yeah, I mean, so your sixes are, are pretty small. I mean, they're not very big. Uh, yeah. But, like, the 20, of course, I don't have any poured up right now. Um, like, the, the whole weight of that hook is all, like, two pounds, 13 ounces. I mean, it's a huge hook. And it's more of one of those hooks. I mean, I have a lot of customers who use them and love them. I just don't – I mean, I probably sell 200 of those hooks a year. I don't, compared to a 16 on hook where I sell – probably close to 1200 you know uh but it's one of those hooks just like oh that ain't a hook this is a hook right here most <laughs> huge thing uh no but they're they're really big uh but the 16 to me is like the perfect size and of course i'll have one in just a second um but that's your good handline hook you know and we got a 14 too that's a handline hook um it works pretty good but it's just you know it's a little bit smaller than the 16 I had a question. You know, you were talking about you taking them to the processor after you brought them in and that you had the option to sell them. Right. Is it something that you could make a profit on even after being on your boat and spending money on gas and tags and all that kind of thing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, you're – so, like, the way – of course, they were selling the meat. And we sold one gator this year for meat. Um, I think – so, eight-foot gator is what it was. And so, you get $8 a foot for that gator's meat. Uh, and if it would have been a 12 footer, we'd got $12 a foot. So it's not, you're not really making any money off of it at all. Um, but you know, the market's kind of plummeted too on the, on the gator hides and stuff. So it's just not as, it's not what it used to be. Uh, I know used to, it was maybe close to its height, like $20 a foot. Um, and so, and you can sell the meat and sell the hide too. So you can get a little bit more money, but you won't recoup your money. 
I mean, it's, right. an, it's an you're, expensive habit, just like any other hunting. <laughs> right. so you're, you're doing it purely out of passion. I didn't know if anybody tried to turn that in, in that whole system into like a profit game at any point. You could do that like they do in Louisiana where you have so many tags and you're running lines. And so you can put 10 gators in the boat. Then it can be worth it. Uh, but for us, we get two gators. We just right. couldn't catch enough because I mean, it's just like any business. You have an upfront cost, and it, and you have to clear that cost and start getting into profit. Well, with only having two gators, you can't get into that profit margin. Right, right. So. Now, when that when the processor takes that meat, uh, do they sell to like local restaurants or just have like a, a locker you can people can come buy meat or how's that work? No, so he has to sell it to like I mean he can sell it to a restaurant. I mean it has to be a licensed business. But he has one person in the bit, like a wholesaler, that he sells. Um, he sells all the meat to. That's fourteen. They're on the uh, shipping table and a green bin. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right. So here is a ten out hook. That's my. This is my most popular hook, right here. If you get an idea on the size. Oh yeah, that's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, this one. Um, like three, three point five ounces, three point seven ounces, um, and so that's that, that's my number one seller by far. And that this one actually is a, it's an extra strong hook. Um, my number one seller is a bronze hook. Most people don't care whether it's extra strong or you know, or just a regular bronze hook. So, um, and then of course this is so this is an eight out hook she brought me. You can see it here. It's a in course comparison. Can I ask you why? What's the long piece behind the the hooks in the back? Is that for weight? Yeah. So so the design of the hook. I don't know if I can hold it up just right so you can see it. Um, you see how the tips kind of sit up a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. So when I designed this, the typical hook that you can buy is all the leads right here. I mean, just a little short round ball of lead, basically. And it's a do it mold sells it. Um, and I was pulling up, reeling in, you cast out a gator, reeling in. I was getting like leaves and mud and like that gumbo clay mud on the tips of my hooks. And I was like, man, if we had something that that tip would just sit up just a little bit and ride in the water at this angle, we wouldn't be getting hung up as much. And that was the whole basis of the beginning of, of the design of the hook. I mean, I, I spent probably two years looking for this hook because I was just going to buy, you know, want to buy them. And, yeah. uh, I found one that was kind of close in design, but the lead stopped, you know, just right past here. And I, you know, my dad brought it home. I was like, Hey man, I found that hook you've been talking about. And I was like, sweet. And it was like, it's just not it. So I came home and, and made a wooden mold and sent it to a machine shop and let them make me some molds out of aluminum. And he charged me a lot more than I expected. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, for me and my buddies, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna sell a couple of these and make my money back. And the hook sets that we were getting were incredible. Uh, just it, it kind of shocked me to be honest with you. I mean, because typically it's one of those things that if you get any slack in your line, the gator's coming off. You're not getting you're not getting it in past the barb. And we were getting two hooks all the way in past the barb, and it was like. Oh wow, this is awesome! And then it it completely took off, and it is what it is today, just from that. And okay, so she brought me a sixteen. This is the big sixteen out hook. Dang man, how'd you like hook a gator with that, Brett? <laughs> oh, it's it's fun. Um, I haven't had the opportunity yet. Uh, but one of my customers I just went hunting with, 
he does it a lot. And he'll hook a gator fresh with one of these hooks. He'll see the bubbles. And because in Mississippi, we don't get, you know, where I'm hunting, you never see the bubble trail and can go go to it. Uh, but we're in Florida, you could. And he'll ease up to that that bubble trail and throw this hook first. And he's, when you hook it, it's it's on. You don't have any drag. It's just your hand and the rope, you know. He said it'll burn a little bit, but once the boat starts moving, you know, it kind of you can kind of hold it at that point. <laughs> can you hold that up next to your hand? Yeah. Well, it's still like this. Yeah. So anybody listening on uh, anything other than YouTube, it's the size of his hand, maybe a little bit shorter. You know, yeah. You know how many inches it is? Probably six inches. Not let's see. I mean, yeah, probably close to seven. Yeah, yeah. Skip perspective to the listeners that aren't watching on YouTube because can be kind of tricky. That can be difficult at times for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's a it's it's a big hook, but it's uh, it definitely of course it's, it's a little heavier than than what you can typically find, so it sinks to the bottom and your current doesn't affect it and all that. So that's a cool thing about it. So I, I've had gator meat before from um, uh, like a gator park in Florida where you go and you like look at all the gators and all that stuff. I wasn't really too turned on by it. Do you think it was because it came from that place? It's a little bit. Um, it's kind of like I was eating a bouncy ball. Is it like that? <laughs> is, is that the normal texture and taste of it? Or did I just get a bad batch? It was fried. So I used to work at a restaurant that sold gator in college and I wasn't a big fan of it. I am now. I mean, when I cook it, not just me, like other hunters have cooked it and it's, it's good. And you know, the way we cook it is it's, it's all about preparation, just like your deer meat or anything else, you know, you got to marinate it and soak it. Uh, we use buttermilk. So the acid in that buttermilk can break down that meat a little bit and tenderize it more than just, you know, whacking it, you know, with a meat tenderizer on their, your counter. Um, so that's what we do. I mean, we marinate it overnight and buttermilk and like Worcestershire sauce and Dales and a little seasoning. And then we fry it up the next day. And it's, it's one of those things where you want to eat it kind of as it comes out the grease, you know, kind of grab it and put in your comeback sauce and go ahead and start eating it as soon as it cools off. Uh, and we normally serve it as like an appetizer kind of deal. Like if we're going to be grilling a backstrap or something like that, it's going to take, you know, a while to grill or smoking something. Um, we'll kind of start out with some gator bites just kind of as a little appetizer. So, but you don't want to eat them hot. I mean, that's, that's kind of you know a big thing. Is I, I'm not going. I'm not a big fan of them cold, but fresh out of the grease when they cool off, I mean, they're hard to beat. Absolutely. I, I, there's a restaurant in downtown Indy that me and my wife have been to a few times called Dick's Last Resort. Is where they put the paper bag yeah, in your yeah. head and make I've fun of there. you. Yeah. They have uh, gator balls as an appetizer, and that's what we always get. I, I, we really like it. Yeah, that's good. I mean. Of course, you know, you can get boudin made out of the gator meat at the processor and, you know, sausage and stuff, you know, mix it with pork. That's pretty good. Um, and actually the guy, so the guy I went with in Florida, he smokes his, like if he gets one four to six foot, he likes to smoke it, you know, for a couple of hours. And he said, you, you pull that bone out and it's just, you know, basically like a barbecue almost, you know, kind of pulled Damn. pork. Making me hungry. <laughs> Man, it's just, it's, it's, he bragged about it. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to try that out. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it sounds pretty good anyways. About how much meat do you get off like a, I know this is a, a vague term, but an average size gator? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to say, you know, your average runt gator, and that's the gators I prefer to eat. I mean, just they're, they're that right size. I mean, it's like anything else. Once it gets old and big, it's a little tougher. How many um, feet would that be? Like a, like a seven-footer or a big six, so six and a half. 
610, okay. somewhere in that range. Uh, you get a pretty good amount of meat off of it. I say you probably get 30 pounds, maybe 40, hmm. off of something that size. Hey, so. man, that's more than I thought it'd be. Oh, yeah. And they have basically – it looks like a back strap going down like it's like a loin or something, like right at the base of their tail going down. And on the smaller ones, I have, you know, butterfly those like a back strap and stuffed with cream cheese and jalapenos wrapped in bacon. And it was really good. I tried it on a big 12-footer. It wasn't very good. <laughs> are, they, uh, are they pretty hard to skin? Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Uh, you know, we I actually went down to Florida with another outfitter and watched them skin a ten footer and I was like, Wow, that's crazy. That's not how I've been doing it. So once I learned the method of how to do it, you know, efficiently, uh, it's not that bad. You know, you basically start, you know, depends on of course, depends on how you want to save the hide, um, whether you where you start at, but you you know, if you lay them down, you got two people on a table, you can pretty knock it out pretty quick. So I'm kind of curious, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen out in that boat, uh, gator hunting? Like, you ever seen by fall in or get attacked or bit or? Uh, so, I mean, I have seen somebody get bit uh, while we were hunting, but it wasn't in a boat. I was, I was with an outfitter, and we caught a gator, and he, when he was releasing the gator – it jumps up and bit him on top of the head, like Shit. up here, and, you know, come all the way down. Uh, it was like 26 stitches. Uh, it was pretty, oh pretty God. serious. Uh, but it was, he, you know, of course, how they are in Florida, you know, whole Florida man news. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, man, I'm fine. Y'all catch another gator. I'm like, uh, no, man, we're, we're going to the hospital. He's like, oh, no, man, he wrapped it up like a T-shirt. You know, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> it, you know, of course, it wasn't very deep or anything, but it was a good, good scratch across his head. Um but yeah, I mean we've you know we have flying carp in Mississippi. I don't know if y'all have those. Uh, I know they're in like the Ohio River and stuff. Yeah, we have them uh, definitely out west of Indiana here along the Illinois River is really bad, and Wabash here in Indiana is really bad. You any kind of trolling motor motor you're out in there, they just fucking start going crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One night we were out gator hunting in Lake George and. Hadn't been there long, you know, kind of easing up, and they're they're terrible in that lake. And of course, they're jumping in the boat, slapping everybody, slamming everything up. And one of them hits the, the hydraulic line for the steering on the motor, and busts it. And so we're you know six miles down, and didn't have a trolling motor on this boat. And it's like, oh man! And uh, and that river, I mean, that lake has a current going through it uh, from the weir. The water was just over the weir going into the river. So we're dealing with the current pulling us away from the boat ramp and can't drive. So I had to stand on the back of the boat and like steer, like hold the motor and steer it for us getting back. Uh, you know, like I said, things happen gator hunting. I mean, it's we we've you know we've had a guy almost go in um, where the gator gets up there and starts doing his death roll with a mule tape on him, and he thinks he can overpower the gator and just locks up and holds as tight as he can. And I, I promise you, his nose got that close to the water. Like coming all the way down, and something happened. I'm, sure, I'm still not sure exactly what happened, but he come back like a spring and like falls in the boat, breaks a rod and a reel, and you know spreads out, and like the gators off, and they're like, "Oh man!" And uh, luckily, you know, of course, if you fight a gator long enough and he gets off, he's coming back up very quick. I mean, he's out of breath and he's free. He's like, "Okay, I'm popping up and I'm, I'm running," you know, on top of the water so I can so I can breathe. 
and he popped up not far at all. We got another hook in him, but yeah, that was that was one of those crazy nights. I thought he was going in. <laughs> you know, I heard you, you've mentioned a couple times uh, that you dealt with some outfitters. Is that like uh, uh, people that you've met through your business, or just trips that you went on and met these people? Yeah, so most of my like, all my gator outfitters and stuff, they're just they're business clients and stuff that, that order hooks, and you know, I build a relationship with everybody that I try to do business with. And, you know, eventually, you know, I get invites, hey, man, come check this out or, you know, anything like that. Um, so, I mean, like one of the guys was hunting in a gator farm and called me and said, dude, your hooks are bending like on small gators. And I'm like, dude, we've caught like 12 and 12 plus and multiple gators on my hooks and haven't bent a single one of them. Like, I don't understand what you're doing. Maybe you got a bad batch. He said, Why don't you come down here and see it for yourself? It's like, all right, I'm on my way. So I went down there and hung out one weekend and we, we went boat fishing and, you know, hog hunting and, and caught a bunch of gators and, and had a good time. Um, and sure enough, my right off the bat, my hooks were bending and I was like, this is weird. Um, but it was, it was, it was a combination of, you know, we're standing on the bank and we're not in a boat, so we don't have any, any give. And because the gators in this, this, you know, farm has holes and stuff that they can get under and breathe and not come back up. And you can't let them get to those holes. So your drags tightened all the way down and it was just, they were bending. And that, that's kind of what happened with my six all hooks. They were like, if you can get us this hook with your lead on it, we'll be happy. And I was like, okay. So I came home and called my guy and said, look, we're building another mold and got some hooks <laughs> in and made the sixes. So they're, they're five X strong and, they're not bending it, you know. That's what they use now, and they 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 order hooks from me all the time. And you know, so and I've been down there twice with them, and I you know set up a business deal with another outfitter where he was kind of distributing to all the retail stores in the area. And you know, of course, he invites me to come down one weekend and kind of see kind of behind the scenes deal. And it was really cool because we had hunters coming in, and one guy wanted to bow hunt hogs, and I got to go hang a stand. I mean, I got to hang a stand. I mean, that's what I love doing anyway. So oh, absolutely. Now, guy now you're talking my language a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had this one tree, and there's no cover, and the, you know, the outfitter, the, the helper, you know, was hanging I was with, and he's like, man, I don't know. That's the only tree we can get it in, but we ain't got no cover. I said, I got this. And there was a bunch of palmettos around, so I went over and started sniffing palmettos and, like, threading them through the uh, expanded metal on the bottom of the stand, kind of made, like, a little – yeah. little blind up there for him and it, it got killed a hog so that's awesome i want to ask you one more question about gators and i'm gonna have uh brett kind of take over for uh deer hunting stuff you can see yeah. he's a big deer killer back there <laughs> <laughs> um is is gator hunting really like it is on tv no i mean no i mean no. i know they're they're running like the the like the hang lines or whatever and you guys are doing it a little different but a lot of that's fake isn't it well, in a sense, yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. So like, yeah, of course, talking to people from uh, Louisiana and, and dealing with them and stuff, you know, a lot of times they can pull those gators up off the bottom and they've been fighting. They're kind of tired. And you can, if you get there quietly, you know, and just ease the gator up to the top of the water, you can get your shot on him, like, when he surfaces and he's not thrashing and stuff like that. I mean, that's – they catch the gators and bring them up and, and kind of – I'll say aggravate them. Of course, I don't have any, you know, that's, but from all the guys I've talked to, they're like, no, they don't, they don't do that. Uh, but I do know that like talking to some of the people that, that do are on the show, um, you know, they do, they, they send all their content in that they can, and then it's edited kind of outside of their control. You know, they're not producing the show. They're just on the show. Um, but no, like when they're catching them, throwing the hand lines and stuff like that and fighting them, I mean, all oh, that's a hundred percent real. Um, 
and of course, you know, the shooting them. I mean, that part of it's real. I say like the only fake part or not, not necessarily fake, but kind of highly edited. Yeah, is is yeah. the, the thrashing when they come up. I mean, they they do get they do do that, but it's kind of encouraged for the Gator to kind of act out a little bit. I get that. I never would have. I never really thought about like um, them taking the footage and then sending it to the, you know, the producer or whatever, and then putting in what they want. But yeah, it makes sense. They're not editing editing the photos or the the video. Right. Yeah. Um, Brett, you want to jump into some some whitetails? Absolutely. So, uh, when does your guys' season start down there, Mississippi? On Friday, October first. There you go. So does ours, and I am more than ready to get in the stands. <laughs> I makes one of us. I mean, I'm ready to, but I'm not ready. <laughs> now, what kind of uh, you know things do you get into uh, in the off season to prepare for deer season on October first? Well, you know, of course, running all my food plot stuff, getting all that stuff prepared, of course. But as far as like preparing for the bow season, because I'm I'm mostly bow hunt. I mean, I I do do some rifle hunting and black powder muzzleloader hunting, but my big thing is, is archery. And so, um, of course, I've got a ladder stand set up and I've got a ground blind set up. And I shoot 3D targets during the summer, you know, not every day or anything like that, but maybe one or two days a week, I'll slip out there for 30 minutes and shoot. And then now, like coming up this week, I'm shooting, trying to shoot every day on uh, 3D targets. I had a problem where I missed a couple, two really nice bucks uh, back to back, like 30 minutes apart. And it was, you know, it was on me. I pulled. I mean, I, I, I admit all that, but it made me realize that the only time I shoot is when I'm standing on the ground shooting at a circle on a square. And at that point, I shoot, you know, standing down. I sight my bow in that in that way at the beginning of the season, make sure I'm hitting bullseye. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time I'll shoot at a square target standing on the ground. From then on, I'm shooting 3D targets out of a stand elevated position or I'm sitting down in my ground blind shooting 3D targets and I move my distances to, you know, I'm not going to shoot it at 20, 30, 40, you know, I'll put it at different ranges. So it's, you know, I kind of got a double pinning sometimes. Try to make it as real as I can make it. And that that's what I do to prepare. Right. That, you know, talk about shooting, you know, from elevation, like you're going to be when, when you're hunting. I, I, I feel like that's a very common mistake with, uh, people just starting bow hunting and people that have been doing it forever, you know, you got to compensate for that angle, but you know, maybe you're not, you haven't been in that situation a whole bunch. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, the guy that I hunt with most of the time, he hasn't really had a lot of those experiences. And I, you know, I try to teach him as much as I can, but you're right. Set a ladder stand up or a lock on or something in your yard. If you got a tree to do it and get that simulation, get them used to shooting, from that you know 15 20 foot up because you don't want to you don't want to miss that big buck when it comes in or if maybe it's just a doe right. shooting at, you know I mean? Uh, yeah i mean you gotta practice like you're gonna play right i mean absolutely you got you got to and i, and I didn't do it for you i mean i ran a bow shot from mossy oak in college for three years and i didn't shoot out of a i didn't shoot 3d targets out of a stand during that time but i went down to some public land in the mississippi delta and caught it on the right day where the bucks were moving and cruising and had running one in 30 yards. As soon as I shot, I pulled that air. I mean, I pulled my bow down and shot right under him and then had one at 40 yards and, and shot. And he, I, like, he saw me draw back, you know, and I shot, put it on his neck and shot. And he, he kind of pulled his head back and I missed him. But both, both, both were on me, you know, I mean, that wasn't my bow or anything else. But like I said, it was, I got, I was like, man, you know, 
shooting at a deer is different than because you know you got a gap below him and it's just it's just not the same you know where exactly am i going to aim and i just stopped shooting uh square targets at that time and just went 3d what kind of uh you know terrain features are you hunting there like here in indiana it's it's really weird we've talked me and him have talked about it before you get you know the top half of indiana is like totally different than the southern half of indiana like where he's at where i'm at there's smaller tracts of land just little bitty pieces all over the place hard timber i I hunt a lot of river bottoms what kind of terrain are you are you hunting down there mississippi so we have a lot of diversity in our terrain you know uh of course i grew up on the edge of mississippi delta and it's all flat big big fields and then you have like blocks of timber you know and i hunt public land down there like one of the blocks i hunt's like it's 38,000 acre block. Um, and right there, there's several refuges. I mean, if you look at it on a map, it's like, you know, all farmland. And this is a huge block of green right there. You know, it's, it's all these refuges. Um, and it's, you know, flat land, sloughs, slashes, a lot of water. Especially in the wintertime, you know, you may walk a quarter mile through ankle deep water just to get to a ridge or something uh, where you're not, you know, you're not walking through water, hunting water. Um, but that's, that's the delta side of it. Then, you know, you come over to like North Mississippi where I lived for a few years, like right when I got my driver's license and was hunting all over the place. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of like really, really steep hills, like hills and hollers, you know, it's uh, Northern Mississippi side and pines everywhere. You know, you can, you find a good hardwood patch, you, you've got something. Uh, and now I'm kind of central Mississippi and it's more rolling hills type, but it's, it's a ton of pine plantations, what we have, you know? And so like all, most of our hardwoods, privately owned uh most of them have already been logged out and planted in pines uh but we do have some areas you know with, with good hardwoods good public land right here at the house it's, it's a, a big refuge uh that's all mostly hardwoods you know it's got some pines in it so say somebody put a gun to your head said gator hunting or deer hunting which one are you picking <laughs> <laughs> that's the tough one man i mean I you know, well, there's, there's nothing better than that right uh but you know what? I mean, I, I think I'd have to, ooh. Can gator season be longer than 10 days? <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd probably pick gator hunting just because, I mean, it's, it's just become a huge passion um, of mine. You know, really, I, I started with the hooks, and it just kind of dumb luck took off. But it's pulled me so much into the sport just, you know, just by having something that, that contributes to the sport. I'm always talking gator hunting with somebody. And it's just kind of, kind of just naturally kind of made that progression over to gator hunting and, and talking about gator hunting all the time. But I mean, it's oh, that's a hard one. I mean, it's it's hard to beat a good deer hunt. I know. I I hate when people ask me that question, but we're with different things like turkey hunting or deer hunting. It's like, why are you gonna make me pick? I like both <laughs> of them, you know. Yeah. But if I had to pick, I'd probably pick deer hunting. It's just a pure passion that I can't shake for anything. It's, I'm like a crackhead on the street when it comes to deer hunting <laughs> that's right that's right i got a bunch of buddies you know they're big into duck hunting and i about quit deer hunting because of you know duck hunting and they were asking me about it. i'm like dude the problem with mississippi is when the ducks finally get here it's the rut like uh-huh. and i'm not gonna miss morning deer hunting you know the rut for a duck you know or you know maybe i hunt you know hunt hard for a couple of days like oh, i'm gonna take a break off and go with y'all in the morning but you know for the most part i'm deer hunting I know we were talking some uh, culinary with the the gator meat. Have you ever made any kind of dish where you you combined like gator meat and deer meat in the same dish, maybe? 
I mean, not in the same dish, you know, but I have done where, like, you know, we butterfly the backstrap and cook it on the grill and then cook the gator meat as appetizers while while the grill's going. I mean, we've done that several times, but as far as a dish where you kind of mix the two, I haven't. Right. I was just curious if that was a thing. No, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure some people do, but uh, I haven't. You know, it's kind of its own little thing. It kind of – I don't know how they actually go together. I mean, they kind of – Kind of two different type of things, you know. Yeah. One's kind yeah. of lighter than the other one. Yeah, that's right. Have you, uh, have you ever? I know you mentioned you're going to go hunt in Kentucky. Is it this year or next year? So I'm, I'm gonna try to get to Kentucky late this season. Um, unfortunately, the, the as, as nice as my job is is the power plant. There, there's two things that's going to happen in a power plant every year, and that's the outage. And you're gonna have one in the spring and one in the fall. Uh, because that's when the, the cooler weather is, you know, and you don't have to run your AC as much. You're not using as much electricity, so you don't need as many plants. Um, and this year we have a major outage on our steam turbine. Uh, we're going to go down and, and, and work on it. And so we, I just started Monday a 12-week outage. So for the next 12 weeks, I will work six days a week, uh, unfortunately. So my, my trips to Kentucky this year uh, has been kind of – it's kind of set on one of those deals where maybe I get to go, maybe I don't. Uh, I'm not 100%. I know that I, I should. I'm, I'm planning on partnering up with a buddy of mine and doing a lease in Kentucky next year because um, that can be, you know, the eastern side – of Kentucky, like over there in Benton, Kentucky, around uh, Land of the Lakes, and you know, mm-hmm. all that. I can be there in five hours, and so we're looking for something a little bit south from that, you know, kind of in that area to do a lease, and that way we may can get a velvet hunt in or, or whatever, you know, and just have the year to, to go up there and finish filling the tag. I bet you there's some working guys that listen to this podcast. How, I, give them some advice on what to do when you got to work six days a week when it's like uh, bow season starts in two days. Uh, you know, you hope you can get it done before time change. <laughs> you got a couple minutes, you know, I've, I've, I'm fortunate enough. I got 40 acres I live on and I've, um, my, me and my dad on, you know, I own 25, he owns 15. And when he bought his 15, he bought me a bulldozer, you know, bought me a bulldozer. Uh, and I made, um, I went out there and it was uh, all cut over like behind, you know, backyard and shops and a pond and the other side of that, it was all cut over and his side was completely cut over. And I went in there and made two food plots for, you know, for the property. Uh, one of them's five acres and one of them's three acres. And I left a bunch of oak trees and stuff all out in the middle as I was going through there with a bulldozer. And I've got, like I said, a couple bucks back there, but my girlfriend hopefully gets one of those uh, this year. And I'll kind of take the back seat for a little while. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the plan is, is to get, uh, get one killed in the afternoon. You know, get home. I get home about 530 from work. And so I can run in the shop, throw some camo on, grab the bow, and then sneak out behind the house and, you know, hopefully get it done by 6.30 or 7, you know. So uh, that's gonna, that's the only thing I got going right now. Uh, hunt on Sundays uh, after church or something, you know. Uh, try to get afternoon hunt then. I know uh, me and Brett have uh, talked about um, why nobody wants to come to Indiana to hunt or, like, the overlooked state. Why do you choose Kentucky instead of Indiana? Just curious. Is it because the Velvets? No, no, not at all. Um, so back to the outfitting thing, the helper guy that I was telling you I hung the stand with, he actually left uh, that place and went back because his hometown's Benton and started outfitting business. And so his first year, I you know, kind of linked up with him. And I got a buddy that's got property there. And it's closer for me. You know, it's a closer drive. But no, I mean, I've, I've hunted like this year. I've been to Texas twice. I've been to Montana. Um, 
I've been to Florida, so no, traveling's not, distance isn't a problem or anything like that. I would love to hunt Indiana, actually. Um, last year, I hunted Illinois, right, really close to, like, that corner down there by Indiana and Kentucky, you know, mm-hmm. right there. That's um, down by me. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, it's beautiful country. Um, I hunted for five days, and it was pre-rut, kind of, I mean, some of the smaller bucks were doing their thing, kind of chasing and scraping and stuff. Never had an opportunity. I did shoot a day. I text the guy, and I went to one spot, and he's like, yeah, I don't have any uh, big bucks on that spot. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was sitting there, and uh, I've been practicing 30 targets. You know, of course, I was shooting 65 yards at the house and drilling it. And I was like, I never take that shot in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm up there. It's a different terrain. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm overlooking, and, and there's a combine guy cutting – uh in the field next to me and he pulls out and comes over and he's cutting like right here right now and i'm like dang he's you know so maybe he'll push a deer out on top of me you know well it's all good and this this doe comes out and she's feeding there's two trees it's like 65 yards and i was like man if she gets by that corn stall i could i could try that it's open they got <laughs> background noise going you know i text the guy i said hey man can i shoot in that field he's like yeah go for it but how far is that and i was like it's 65 yards he's like you'll never make that shot all right smoked her and I just, she ran away like 50 yards and dropped and i was like yeah it was like and he was he was actually running uh corn right there at that time you know they were harvesting too and he was like man it's gonna be like an hour and a half where i can break away unloading these trucks and get over to you and i was like man it's fine i got it it's a little bit of a walk so of course you know my country self i go and i skin the deer out and i only make a slit you know from you know joint to joint on the backside peel it back, hang the meat in the tree, and then use the hide as my bag and make a backpack and come on out with it. And uh, threw the meat in the cooler and text him and said, hey, man, uh, I got the deer back. He's like, all right, well, you can go hang it up in the meat locker. I was like, no, man, like, it's in the cooler. Like, skin out. He's like, do what? I sent him a picture <laughs> I took, a selfie I took, you know, with the deer at the backpack. And he's like, what kind of Paul Bunyan crap are y'all doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, you got to do what you got to do. So it was a fun hunt. The guy's a great guy. It just didn't work out. I mean, I've been with outfitters and, like, immediately our own box uh but kind of my mo that seems to always happen especially on whitetail hunts last morning of the hunt fisting to go home it always happens for me so i mean typically so i was kind of putting that in my back pocket it didn't work out for that trip but no i, I plan on getting up to indiana and want to hunt ohio i mean i want to hit all the states so yeah maybe if you ever come up here maybe we'll pound some public ground together i don't know maybe you get up to southern indiana brett's more up north but um, I'm, yeah, right, I'm right on kentucky and illinois i'm only about 30 minutes from illinois and about 15 minutes from kentucky so and i'm, nice. and yeah. I'm right next to ohio basically so we nice. can hit that, all three of them is ohio, that's the draw stage is that right you got draw tags no you, know? you can take over the counter there oh nice nice we actually we were actually kind of talking uh me him and another guy and a couple other guys actually were kind of thinking about doing like a, a weekend camp somewhere uh on public ground in ohio kind of like some youtubers getting together guys that do podcasts and you know having a fun weekend you know drinking some beers by a campfire hopefully somebody kills one but <laughs> ohio is definitely uh something that i want to get done this year hopefully i can get it done here early enough to be able to go out there but man y'all kill me all this time to go hunting <laughs> i mean i think I think I've got, you know, of course, um, I think I have one weekend in December that I'm, you know, available to hunt. And then I've got like two in January, which is lines up with the Mississippi rut. So it's, it's going to be, you know, the, the opportunities I get to hunt are going to be, be prime time, but it's, you know, 
until then. And I might, I might probably get a Saturday off here and there during the outages. It's just so long. We go you know, in the middle, kind of catch a lull. Um, hopefully, I'll get a Saturday off to go do some deer hunting. But if I do have an opportunity to take a Saturday off, probably going to spend it with my kids versus, you know, hunting. Um, I don't get to have them all the time. So anytime I get a chance to, I, I definitely pick them over hunting. But if that's all, all taken care of, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be going somewhere hunting. So uh, yeah, I do y'all uh, have hogs? Not very many. I mean, very, there, very few. I've never seen one, but they're supposed to be around here. Have you ever seen one, Brett? Out? I have not. Uh, I've hunted Southern Indiana a lot, where they supposedly are. I do a lot of turkey hunting down there, and I've never seen a hog. Hmm. Well, if that's something y'all want to get in on, I can. Uh, we can do some public land like hog hunting out of a tree stand, deer like deer hunt slash hog hunt. I'm and then totally if we decide we're not gonna, uh, you know, not not down for sitting in stand, we can always spot and stalk because they can't. As long as you got the wind right, you can you can slip up on them 20, 30 yards and get a hair in one of them, and it's it's exciting. What's that cost for an out of state guy? Uh so yeah, I mean, like you're you're, and of course, I think it's of course all season for the year is like three hundred bucks. Um, but of course, hogs you don't need tags for. I think the deer tag is like five bucks maybe. Uh, but you can get like if you do like a seven day tag, I think it's one fifty maybe for a seven day all game, and then of course then you have to buy like your deer tag or something. Yeah. And if we go on one of those refuges that the hogs are just thick in, it's a twenty dollar permit for you know resident or non resident to buy buy a permit for there. Um, and I've got a buddy who's got a big campground set up, got a bar there that they they cook some really good burgers, especially coming out of the woods. Uh, that sounds and anyway, we, 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 we can set up a you know, set up the campers and all and go down there and do some public land hunting. And they've got some some truly world class bucks. I mean, this buck, this buck right here, the big one, he come off of there. I mean, he was a 138 seven point, so he didn't have any bride times, he would have been a nine, but um, yeah, I've killed. I've killed some big pigs in there. I mean, I've shot some sows, uh, but I've killed several pigs over 200, you know, field dressed, you know, right over 200 pounds. So it's, it's, it's pretty awesome slipping up on a pig because there's going to be a group of them, like 20 or 30 of them. And you got to hit them just right. Or you got to have the right broadhead. Don't shoot a slacker at a pig, a big <laughs> boar. Don't do it. You shooting mechanicals at those or fixed? Uh, fixed. I mean, I, I swapped over it. I swapped over and I haven't had an opportunity at a big boar. Um, but I, I love a swacker bow hunting. I mean, that's just my broadhead of choice. I've, I've seen too many evidence and killed too many deer with them. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've killed a pretty big boar hog with one. And it was like a suction cup on the end of my area. It hit him in the, right behind the shoulder. Well, there's no way I killed him. He ran over and fell over. I'm like, oh, sweet. But I've probably had five uh, big boars walk off or toe to a swacker. And I shot one in the skull and he ran off like a unicorn. He was 18 yards. I stalked him, and I was trying to get a shot at a sow because I knew I'd, I'd left my my muzzies back at the tree. At that time, I took like two muzzies for whatever shooting, you know. And so I was like, "Oh man, I left my muzzies. All I got is the swacker." I was like, "Well, I'm shooting a sow because I have to get that big plate." And the swackers will kill a sow, no problem. But anyways, so this boar is walking in, and he's a he's a big one. I mean, he's got these huge cutters on him. You know, I'm like, "Oh man, I wish I had my." My my muzzies, you know, <laughs> and he keeps walking straight at me and straight at me. And I'm watching the group come across, and I'm like, "What am I gonna do here?" And I range this tree, and it's 19 yards, and he come right right around that tree and like head down, eating right in front of me. And I was like, headshot, and I mean, I put it 
boom, right there. And he looks at me, kind of stumbles back, and runs over and stops, and then trots off like a unicorn, like all the air sticking out of the front of his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Uh, it's crazy, That's wild. but you know, I mean, you know, and sometimes you know, I've had those situations where I'm stalking a, like a single boar. And he'll he'll back into a tree shop and start chomping his jaws, and you're like, "No, nah, I'm not going to find out if you're as bad as you think you are." But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's back out of there. <laughs> right. So that's pretty fun. If y'all get an opportunity to come down. I mean, we could definitely, you know, if we do like a two or three day hunt, like you'll have an opportunity at a pig. I like, guess not a. You may have an opportunity at a 140 inch deer, but you'll have an opportunity at a pig. I've, I've never shot one of you, Brett. No, actually, I have a trip planned for late December, early January. I'm going to uh, South Carolina and doing some uh, hog hunting there with a, a buddy that um, I had on my podcast last week. And uh, I've never been hog hunting before. He sends me videos all the time now from his trail cameras, and they're running around like crazy. And I'm excited. And I, I, I appreciate the information on the, on the broadheads things because – uh, I, I shot Muzzy for 18 years, and then I switched up and started shooting a mechanical blood sport, and which works amazing on oh, deer, yeah. deer. And uh, I'll definitely put my Muzzies back on to go shoot some hogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're highs that thick on their shoulders as boar hogs. I mean, I think like Native Americans actually use it as shields, you know, right. they get into all that gristle and stuff. So yeah, the mechanical it just it takes all your kinetic energy away getting through that that shield. Right. And so if you got to cut on contact. Yeah, you, you get that penetration. Right. About like trying to shoot a rhino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that what y'all are y'all gonna are y'all gonna bow hunt or y'all gonna hogs with dogs or y'all doing thermals or what? No, nope, we're uh, we're bow hunting. Um, nice. I think he said that their uh deer season goes out uh, I wanna say January first. So I'm gonna try to hit it before then and do kinda like what you're talking, a combo kind of deal. But uh, you know, he sends me a lot of pictures and him and his family have pretty good success on deer in South Carolina. Um, I'm just not interested in it. It's a whole different game down there. You know, them, them bucks don't get very big. The bodies don't get very big. It's just right. not something I'm interested in, you know, but the hogs I'm all in on, I, I, I want to shoot a couple of those. I think it'd be a blast. Oh, it's, it's a blast. If you get an opportunity to ever do the hog deal with the dogs, mm-hmm. you get on some of that. That's, that's pretty, you know, intense grabbing the pig and flipping him and then stabbing him. That's, that's pretty intense. As I've well. seen a lot of videos on that. It's pretty wild. What's your thought? Do, do they run dogs for deer where you live? Yes. Yeah. I, I can already tell that your answer is <laughs> about what I got yeah. in my, my mind. Already. Um, let's look <laughs> on that. I'm, I'm curious too. I mean, you got, you got two types of dog hunters, you know, you've got the guys that, that do it the right way. I mean, it's a tradition. I have no problem with, with keeping the tradition alive. I mean, I think that that's absolutely okay. Uh, and you, of course, you got the the guy who says, "Well, a dog don't know property lines, but yeah, but you just dropped him off on the road, ran him across the property that I'm hunting, and sitting on the gravel road on the backside of the property waiting for him to cross." And that's the that's the guys that do give the the, the you know the guys that are running dogs for deer a bad name. But I mean, that's that's only a handful, but they stick out so much, you know. I mean, it's just like a bad apple in the batch, but. I've been in hunting clubs where, you know, it's 3,000, 10,000 acre clubs, you know, that, that do run dogs and they've turned the dogs out in the middle of the club. And, you know, if, if they're getting close to the edge, they've got them on tracking collars and they're running over there to cut them off, you know, or they've got the beepers on them where, you know, that beeps, the dogs stop and they turn around and go back towards, you know, where they came from. Um, those guys, you know, I mean, they're doing it for tradition. I mean, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, running and gunning the roads and, you know, kind of, 
running in, know he's going to hit this block. So you jump in the truck, you run over here, you get out and you run off in the woods and hit a trail and, you know, you wait for him to cross that trail. I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's exciting. So uh, I think that tradition should stay alive. I just feel like that, you know, the, the few that, that I've ran into when I'm, I've got a 400 acre block, and I'm trying to steal hunt in and I've, I've done everything all year long and went in there and hinge cut in the summertime, making my bedding areas and, and set my food plots up and, you know, done everything you can do to, to you know, be successful. And you got a guy dropping, you know, 10 dogs off at the road and running around there to get on the backside of you and shoot them out from under you. That just that puts a bad taste in your mouth, but it's not all of them. All right. I, I get the, the tradition thing. I think, um, I think it would be, f- fun to a certain extent on on the traditions part of it maybe you do it a certain weekend and your right. buddies are all camping together or something like that but deer hunting to me is uh the tactics when it comes to it you know you, yeah. you you're you're putting yourself in a precise location that you've scouted for years or over the summer and you're finding sign and you know funnels and you know all that kind of stuff and i feel like it's a when you go to try to get on these big bucks, it's a, it's a chess match. It's not checkers. It's chess. It's a hundred percent. You gotta, you, you gotta play it a, a certain way. And I don't, I don't think I would like the dog thing. I, I would like to go and check it out. Like you were saying, but, uh, deer hunting to me is a chess game. And I, I think I right. like to stay, keep it that way. <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, right here at the house, when we have you know, a couple of blocks and people run dogs in, you know, and I hardly ever see any dogs come across my property, you know, um, very, very rarely. But, you know, to be honest with you, as soon as the rifle season opens up, it's when dog season opens up. And after that first weekend, man, your deer are almost all nocturnal. I mean, you can about guarantee it they're going nocturnal. And then you're basically waiting until the rut to get lucky, you know. But that's the that's why I love hunting, bow hunting down the Delta. It's public land, you know. You got to walk, and you got to deal with certain stuff. But at the end of the day, they're they're never hearing a dog run a deer. They don't change up their patterns. You can hunt them like your tactics. I mean, of course, you can't run cameras down there, but you can you can follow your trails and you can get your pinch points and you can you know find your sign and your scrape line and and you can hunt and the deer act like they're supposed to. They're not just straight nocturnal. Right. So. It's uh. Getting kind of late. I'm sure you guys got to work in the morning and everything. Brett, do you have any closing thoughts or any last questions? No, uh, it was uh, it's a pleasure to meet you on everything. I might have to uh, take you up on that hog hunt one of these days. Yeah, man, do <laughs> or it. Or gator man. hunt. I would love if you take me up and show me this gator stuff, man. Man, yeah, I would love that. I mean, of course, if uh, with our tag so limited in Mississippi, I mean, we may can set some up in Mississippi, but if not, I mean, we may can try to set some up in Florida. I've done yeah. that several times too. That'd be really know, so. cool, man. Uh, yeah, but it's you get an opportunity. You have if you ever get invited going to get your hunt, you drop everything and go do it. Just, just you got to man. It's it's incredible. I'm good. Brett, can you uh, can you tell everybody where to find you on social and then as well as your uh, podcast, in case somebody else is looking for a hunting podcast to listen to? You got some good content over there. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, you can find us just about anywhere on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, YouTube. And then you can also find us on Spotify, Apple, uh, Spritcher, all the podcast places. And uh, we usually do about one show a week. Uh, tomorrow I have a uh, inspiring country music artist that's a diehard uh, deer hunter and bow hunter to come on and talk a little bit about what he's got going on at his uh, Illinois lease. So it'd definitely be a cool episode. Cool. And then um, 
Hunter, can you tell everybody where to find you and um, maybe your business and all that stuff on Facebook? Yeah, so you can find my business. Uh, of course, we're working on our official website. We haven't uh, finished it yet. Like this started out, let's find it blew up pretty quick. But uh, if you need it, you know, if you decide to want to get some hooks or something, just hit me up on Facebook. Shoot me a message at Hunter's Shop, and uh, you can find me on Instagram at Gator Taker Hooks. And of course, I've got YouTube uh, Gator Taker Hook Productions where I'm putting a couple videos up and stuff, and of course TikTok as well. Uh, just kind of got that ball rolling. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun on there. So, yeah, my main two is, is Instagram and Facebook. And so look me up on there if you want to interested in the hooks, watch some, you know, I, I try to post uh, a lot of customers' pictures send me, you know, or tag me in it. So there's always something Gator-related Gator going on there. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know this is kind of a last-minute thing for both of you guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I really do appreciate it. I think it's a good episode and some good – good content for people. I, like I said, I didn't know anything about gator hunting other than what I've watched on TV. So it's good to hear like a firsthand account, especially from somebody that, that makes gear for the, the gator hunting industry. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's fun to do. I, mean, um, I don't know. I think I may have sent you the video, but there's a, on my YouTube channel, Gator Taker Productions, there is a, a video I put on there and it's, it's a little lengthy, uh, but I did try to make sure I, I didn't edit out too much. So it wasn't a highlight reel. So you kind of got an idea of what's really going on with a gator hunt. It's, it's more, I don't know, I wouldn't say documentary style, but I mean, it's more of everything that's into it versus just, you know, cool little shots and stuff. So get a chance to check it out. It's going to be more of, of what you're actually going to deal with when you're, when you're gator hunting. Well, uh, thanks again, guys, and uh, maybe I'll catch up with you, Hunter, uh, later on, maybe wintertime or spring, and we'll kind of see how your season went, see if you ended up killing those bucks on, on the those food plots you've been putting together. Right on, man. Okay, uh, thanks again, Brett, and uh, I'll catch up with you guys soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. We'll see you.